Life Audio. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? Or have you been in a season where it feels like He's completely silent? Have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear His voice more clearly? Hey friends, I'm Rachel, host of the Hearing Jesus Podcast. If you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hi friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today, we are continuing our devotional reading and Bible study through the book of Matthew, and we're in Matthew chapter 8. We're picking up at verses 5 through 13. So if you're just joining us, I would encourage you to go back at least to yesterday's episode so you can get the first half of Matthew chapter 8. I'm reading from the New American Standard Version of the Bible today. Starting in verse 5, it says, And when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, begging him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, terribly tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I am also a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go and he goes and to another come and he comes and to my slave do this and he does it. Now, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those who were following, Truly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be thrown out into their outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it shall be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Well, this is one of my favorite stories in scripture, and I love what is happening here. And as we unpack this a little bit, I thought it might be helpful to just explain what a centurion was, because in my mind, I just pictured this Roman gladiator kind of guy that I've seen on TV, probably. But I think it's helpful to understand the role that a centurion would play in the Roman culture. So in the Roman army... And just to avoid any confusion, Rome was in control of Israel at this time. So in the Roman army, at the time of Jesus, there were 25 legions that were spread out across the empire. There was eight on the Rhine, six in the Danube provinces, three in Spain, two in Africa, two in Egypt, and four in Syria. The ideal numbers, I'm going to explain, but we have to realize that sometimes these units were not as strong as what I'm going to explain. And that's because people died, they left, they got sick, etc. So there would be legions. That was normally about 6,000 men. About most of them, about 5,300 of them would have been infantry and about 700 of them would have been cavalry. And then each of those legions was divided up into 10 cohorts. And then each cohort had six centuria, a hundred men, and the smallest unit of the Roman legion would have been led by a centurion. So a centurion was basically this professional officer that was their job in the army of ancient Rome. 
And so most of the centurions were promoted from within the ranks of common soldiers. So they really knew this system. And then they formed the backbone of the legion and they were responsible for enforcing all of the discipline. And so they got a lot higher pay than many of the other soldiers. They got a greater share of the spoils than the common soldiers did, maybe sometimes as much as 15 times more. And then basically they were in charge of about 80 men. So there was this Roman military presence in the area of Capernaum at the time, and it was near this major trade route, and there was like a custom station. So it made perfect sense that a centurion would have been in that area, keeping rule over his soldiers. Matthew is highlighting the centurion's position because there's this hierarchy that makes sense. He is both under authority and above authority. And so he's making this analogy with this understanding that this centurion is, at least in some ways, likening his authority to the kind of authority that Jesus has. So that there's a word in there that says also. It's kai in the Greek, and it's in front of the sentence. And so what that tells us is that this centurion is comparing his situation to the authority of Jesus. He says, I also am a man under authority. And so what Matthew is demonstrating is that Jesus is receiving his authority from God, and then he has authority over the entire created realm, of course, the earth and everything on the earth. So somehow this Gentile centurion has this understanding, and we don't know, maybe he had seen Jesus heal somewhere else, or maybe he had heard him preach or teach. We don't exactly know how or why, but somehow this Gentile centurion understands the nature of the authority of Jesus, and he understands that that will allow him to heal from a distance, because he knows that when he gives a command, those that are under his authority will obey that. So he understands that that's how it's going to work with Jesus, because he's over the authority of everything under his creation. It's really interesting that we see this Gentile coming to Jesus, who's a Jewish healer, for help. I think it really is a remarkable act of faith. It's so interesting. And if you want to check on our Patreon page, I'll put up some pictures of, of some of this excavation. There was a recent excavation that revealed that there was a military garrison there in Capernaum, and it had quarters, living quarters to the east of the Jewish village. And it was of course, yes, on this major trade route, and it had a custom station. And so there was even houses where they would have lived, and they lived in better houses than the local population would. And it surprised the archaeologists as they were doing this dig, but it was revealed that the soldiers even had a typical Roman bath in that location. And so it's not something you would think to find in that location, but because of the presence of these Roman centurions and these Roman soldiers, that's what was there. Super interesting. You can learn more on our Patreon page. So then we're moving on to verse six, and it's talking about this illness that his servant had. Many scholars believe that this was actually a form of polio, and polio was something that was very, very common in these ancient societies. In verse eight, he says, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. This is unique because, again, this is a Gentile and he's showing sensitivity for the Jewish customs of the time because he considered himself unworthy to receive Jesus in his home. Why? Because he is a Gentile and he knows that for a Jewish person to enter the home of a Gentile would automatically make that Jewish person ceremonially unclean. So there seems to be something different 
about this centurion all the way around. He not only understands the Jewish custom, but he is respectful of it and he's sensitive to it. And what happens next is incredible. In verse 10, Jesus says, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. What made Jesus say that? Well, I think it was a couple of things. The faith of the centurion was combined with both his concern for someone else, but then also this complete trust in the authority of Jesus and his power to heal. That's something that many of the Jews had not even expressed yet. And think about who Matthew's audience was when he was writing this. He was writing to the Jews. And so this is an affirmation of the faith of a Gentile, which would have been startling to them because up until this point, most of the ministry focus has been on Israel and the Hebrew people. They were basically prejudiced against the Gentiles. And so Jesus was being intentional here when he said that this Gentile had great faith, somebody that they would have discarded, the Jews would have discarded. He's saying, no, that he has such great faith. It's more than anyone else in Israel. And so again, we see that this message that Jesus has come, it's for all nations. It's for all people, including the Gentiles, not just the Jews. And that's important because then in verse 11 and 12, we see how this kind of shakes out. In verse 11, it says, many will come from the East and the West and will take their places at the feast. This idea of East and West is pointing to the variety of people groups who are going to come from all of the ends of the earth to be part of God's kingdom. And it's also referring back to those that had been scattered. The people of Israel had been exiled a couple different times. And so he's referring to them all coming back to Israel. But the twist here is that many Gentiles are going to be coming with them now. And it's a warning to these Jews that if they're going to hold on to this prejudice, if they're going to hold on to this racism, and that they think that this kingdom of heaven is just for the Jews, they're wrong. So wrong. So wrong, in fact, that if they insist on keeping that mentality, they may be held back from what God is doing. They're holding on to this useless tradition and they're failing to accept that Jesus is the authority and he has the power over the kingdom. If Jesus is the authority and he is saying they have a seat at the table, then they have a seat at the table. So for them to hold on to that prejudice, it's ignorant and it's going to keep them from experiencing God's plan and purposes within the kingdom. And then in verse 12, it says, But the sons of the kingdom will be thrown out into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That language is a descriptor of hell. And so the sons of the kingdom, and that really would translate more to the subjects of the kingdom. We have to remember that some of this was translated during a very patriarchal age, but the actual original language would talk about the subjects, not just the sons. So this means sons and daughters. So the subjects of the kingdom which would refer to the nation of Israel. He's talking about how these leaders have this attitude, this heart posture of prejudice and racism against the Gentiles. They don't have exclusive claim to God's kingdom. And yet they think they do because they descended from Abraham. And Jesus is basically saying, no, no, you don't. And their hearts are not being repentant. And so what's going to happen if they hold on to that, they're going to end up in a place that they don't want to be. So, I think it's so important and has so much value for us today. You know, so many churches have this mentality of us for no more. And so somebody walks in the door that looks different or acts different or smells different or talks different. They are often not accepted. And yet those are the very people that Jesus 
also came for, not just the ones that are cleaned up and smell good, but for the ones that are broken or different. And so I love this passage because it explains it in such a clear way. And then in verse 13, of course, we see Jesus is the healer and he has the ability and the authority and the power to heal from a distance. He doesn't have to be there laying hands on somebody. And I think that's also important because I think sometimes when it comes to healing, we have a tendency to turn it into this formula. I need to pray in tongues or I need to lay hands on people or worship music has to be playing. No, it doesn't. Jesus has given us the authority to heal as believers through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it does not require anything other than this great faith. And so that doesn't mean every single person that has faith is going to be healed. Sometimes we get healed this side of heaven, and sometimes healing happens on the other side of heaven. But my point in saying all of that is Jesus has the authority to heal from a distance. I think that's another important point. So now I'm going to go back and I'm going to reread verses 5 through 13 of Matthew chapter 8. It says, And when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, begging him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, terribly tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go and he goes and to another come and he comes and to my slave do this and he does it. Now, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those who were following, truly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be thrown out into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, go, it shall be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Father God, we thank you for this picture of healing that takes place and the remarkable thing that showcases Jesus being amazed at the faith of this Gentile. God, may we have such faith that we would recognize your power and your authority, not just in our lives, but in the lives of the world around us. God, help us to have the faith of the centurion to know and recognize the hierarchy in your kingdom. God, we see such an example there. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to internalize that in our hearts and our minds and our spirits. God, we trust you and we give you all glory and honor and praise as the one who is the healer. We thank you and praise you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, friends, we'll talk tomorrow. Hey friends, as we lean into a new month and we continue to learn and grow together, there's a couple resources I want to make sure you know about so you can take advantage of. The first is our Patreon page and the link for that is in the show notes. And on the Patreon page, we have a couple things. We have a dedicated space that is for discussion, for asking questions. You get easy access to me where we talk about things, we hold each other accountable. There are resources that go with the show, like a journaling prompt worksheet download for every single adult show. We also have family discussion guides. And what's really been neat about those is that on the kids show every day, I talk about the same content that's on the adult show, just taught in a way that kids can understand. Then the family discussion guides create an environment for you to process that information with your children. You can use that at the dinner table or even as part of your devotional routine. There's some suggested prayer and activities and things to help you connect that content to the appropriate age for your children. So all of that is on the Patreon. Also, there's some prophetic words, extra videos, transcripts, all those kinds of things. The second is on our website. 
If you go to shehears.org, there's a shop resources page that has my Bible studies that I've written, links to different journaling Bibles, note-taking Bibles, all sorts of resources to help you grow. And then also on our website, we have the coaching section. If you are finding that you need some spiritual direction or life coaching, that is available for you as well. And that's really good to help you process what you're learning. If you're feeling stuck, if you need to work through something, if something just isn't sitting right, or if you want to teach this content and you need to help develop a plan, I'm available to help you do that as well. Again, all of these are resources to help you grow in your spiritual life and hear God's voice more clearly. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helps encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going.